Chapter Three, Part Two of the Indian Fairy Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Indian Fairy Book by Henry R. Schoolcraft. Chapter Three: The Red Swan, Part Two. As soon as Maidwa had partaken of food and laid aside his leggings and moccasins, the old magician commenced telling him how he had lost his scalp, the insults it was receiving, the pain he suffered thereby, his wishes to regain it, the many unsuccessful attempts that had already been made, and the numbers and power of those who retained it. He would interrupt his discourse at times with sudden groans and say, Oh, how shamefully they are treating it! Maidwa listened to all the old magician had to say with solemn attention. The magician renewed his discourse and inquired of Maidwa as to his dreams or what he saw in his sleep at such times as he had fasted and darkened his face to procure guardian spirits. Maidwa then told him one dream. The magician groaned. No, that is not it, he said. Maidwa told him of two or three others. The magician groaned again and again and said, rather peevishly, no, these are not the dreams. Keep cool, said the kettle. It had left the fire and was standing in the middle of the floor, where a pleasant breeze was blowing through the lodge. Then it added, Have you no more dreams of another kind? Yes, said Maidwa, and he told him one. That will do, said the kettle. We are much pleased with that. Yes, that's it, that is it, the magician added. You will cause me to live. That was what I was wishing you to say. Will you then go and see if you cannot recover my poor scalp? Yes, said Maidwa, I will go, and the day after tomorrow, when you hear the cacac cries of the hawk, you will know that I am successful. You must prepare your head and lean it out through the door, so that the moment I arrive I may place your scalp on. Yes, yes, said the magician, as you say, it will be done. Early the next morning Maidwa set out to fulfill his promise, and in the afternoon, when the sun hangs toward home, he heard the shouts of a great many people. He was in a wood at the time, and saw, as he thought, only a few men, but as he went on they increased in numbers. When he emerged upon the plain, their heads appeared like the hanging leaves, they were so many. In the middle of the plain he perceived a post and something waving at its top. It was the wampum scalp and every now and then the air was rent with the war-song, for they were dancing the war-dance in high spirit around it. Before he could be observed, Maidwa changed himself into a humming-bird and flew toward the scalp. When he passed some of those who were standing by, he came close to their ears. As they heard the rapid whirr or murmur which this bird makes when it flies, they jumped aside and asked each other what it could be. Maidwa by this time had nearly reached the scalp, but fearing that he should be perceived while untying it, he again changed himself into the down that floats lightly on the air, and sailed slowly on to the scalp. He loosened it and moved off heavily, as the weight was almost too great for him to carry. The Indians would have snatched it away, had not a lucky current of air just then buoyed him up. As they saw that it was moving away, they cried out, "'It is taken from us! It is taken from us!' Maidwa was borne gently, but a little way above their heads, and as they followed him, the rush and hum of the people was like the dead heating of the surges upon a lake shore after a storm. But the good wind, gaining strength, soon carried him beyond their pursuit. 
a little further he changed himself into a hawk and flew swiftly off with his trophy crying kakak kakak till the hawk cry resounded with its shrill tone throughout the whole country far and wide meanwhile the magician had remembered the instructions of maidwa placing his head outside of the lodge as soon as he heard the kakak cry of the hawk in a moment maidwa came past with rustling wings and as he flew he gave the magician a severe blow on the head with the wampum scalp the old man's limbs extended and quivered in pain but the scalp adhered just as maidwa in his own person walked into the lodge and sat down feeling perfectly at home the magician was so long in recovering from the stunning blow which had been dealt him that maidwa feared he had destroyed his life in restoring the crown of his head presently however he was pleased to see him show by the motion of his hands and limbs that his strength was returning and in a little while he rose and stood upon his feet what was the delight of maidwa to behold instead of a withered old man far advanced in years and stricken in sorrow a bright and cheerful youth who glittered with life as he stood up before him thank you my friend he said your kindness and bravery of heart have restored me to my former shape it was so ordained and you have now accomplished the victory they embraced and the young magician urged the stay of his deliverer for a few days this invitation maidwa was glad to accept and they formed a strong attachment to each other the magician to the deep regret of maidwa never once alluded to the red swan in all their conferences at last the day arrived when maidwa prepared to return to his home the young magician bestowed on him ample presents of wampum fur robes and other costly things although maidwa's heart was burning within him to see the red swan to hear her spoken of and to learn what his fortune was to be in regard to that fond object of his pursuit he constrained his feelings and so checked his countenance as never to look where he supposed she might be his friend the young magician observed the same silence and caution maidwa's pack for traveling was now ready and he was taking his farewell smoke when the young magician thus addressed him my friend maidwa you know for what cause you came thus far and why you risked so much and waited so long you have proved my friend indeed you have accomplished your object and your noble perseverance shall not go unrewarded if you undertake other things with the same spirit you will always succeed my destiny compels me to remain where i am although i should feel happy to be allowed to go with you i have given you of ordinary gifts all you will need as long as you live but i see you are backward to speak of the red swan i appreciate your delicacy but i vowed that whoever procured me my lost wampum scalp should be rewarded by possessing her he then spoke in a language which maidwa did not understand the curtain of the lodge parted and the red swan met his delighted gaze it was a beautiful maiden that he beheld so majestic and airy in her look that he seemed to see a creature whose home should rather be in the free heaven among the rosy clouds than in this dusky lodge take her the young magician said she is my sister treat her well she is worthy of you and what you have done for me merits more she is ready to go with you to your kindred and friends and has been so ever since your arrival my good wishes shall go with you both the red swan smiled kindly on maidwa who advanced and greeted her hand in hand then they took their way forth from the lodge and watched by the young magician advanced across the prairie on their homeward course they traveled slowly and looked with double joy on the beautiful country over which they had both so lately passed with hearts ill at ease after two or three days they reached the lodge of the third old man who had entertained him with the singing kettle but the kettle was not there 
the old man nevertheless received them very kindly and said to Maidwa, you see what your perseverance has secured you do so always and you will succeed in whatever you undertake on the following morning when they were about to start he pulled from the side of the lodge a bag which he presented to Maidwa, saying grandchild i give you this it contains a present for you and i hope you will live happily till old age bidding him farewell they again set forward and they soon came to the second old man's lodge he also gave them a present and bestowed his blessing nor did Maidwa see anything here of the frisky little kettle which had been so lively on his former visit. As they went on and came to the lodge of the first old man, the reception and farewell were the same. Only when Maidwa glanced to the corner he failed to see the silent kettle which had served him so well. The old man smiled when he discovered the direction of Maidwa's glance, but he said nothing. When, on continuing their journey, they at last approached the first town that Maidwa had passed in his pursuit, the watchman gave notice as before, and Maidwa was shown into the chief's lodge. "'Sit down there, son-in-law,' said the chief, pointing to a place near his daughter. "'And you also,' he said to the red swan. The chief's daughter was engaged in coloring a girdle, and, as indifferent to these visitors, she did not even raise her head. Presently the chief said, "'Let someone bring in the bundle of our son-in-law.' When the bundle was laid before him, Maidwa opened one of the bags which had been given him. It was filled with various costly articles, wampum, robes, and trinkets of much richness and value. These, in token of his kindness, he presented to the chief. The chief's daughter stole a glance at the costly gifts, then at Maidwa and his beautiful wife. She stopped working and was silent and thoughtful all the evening. The chief himself talked with Maidwa of his adventures, congratulated him on his good fortune, and concluded by telling him that he should take his daughter along with him in the morning. Yes, said Maidwa. The chief then spoke up, saying, Daughter, be ready to go with him in the morning. Now it happened, when the chief was thus speaking, that there was a foolish fellow in the lodge who had thought to have got this chief's daughter for a wife. He jumped up, looked grimly at Maidwa, and said, who is he that he should take her for a few presents? I will kill him. And he raised a knife which he had in his hand and gave it a mighty flourish in the air. He kept up this terrible flourish till someone came and pulled him back to his seat. He had been waiting for this and yielded quietly enough. At peep of day, amid the greeting of their new friends, Maidwa and the Red Swan, with the chief's daughter, took their leave. Toward evening they reached the other town. The watchman gave the signal and numbers of men, women, and children stood out to see them. They were again shown into the chief's lodge, and the chief welcomed Maidwa, saying, Son-in-law, you are welcome. And he requested Maidwa to take a seat by his daughter, and the two women did the same. After suitable refreshments for all, and while Maidwa smoked a pipe, the chief asked him to relate his adventures in the hearing of all the inmates of the lodge and of the strangers who had gathered in at report of his singular fortunes. Maidwa gave them his whole story. When he came to those parts which related to the Red Swan, they turned and looked upon her in wonder and admiration, for she was very beautiful. The chief then informed Maidwa that his brothers had been to their town in search of him, but that they had gone back some time before, having given up all hopes of ever seeing him again. "'But you are a man of spirit,' the chief continued, "'whom fortune is pleased to befriend. Take my daughter with you and treat her well.' so shall we be more closely bound together. It is always the case in an assembly or gathering that some one of the number is foolish and disposed to play the clown. It happened to be so here. 
one of this very sort was in the lodge and now this pretender jumped up in a passion and cried out who is this stranger that he should have her i want her myself the chief bade him be quiet and not to disturb or quarrel with one who was enjoying their hospitality no no he exclaimed rushing forward as in act to strike maidwa sat unmoved and paid no heed to his threats he cried the louder i will have her i will have her whereupon the old chief being now vexed past patience took his great war-club and tapped this clownish fellow upon the head which so far subdued him that he sat for some time quite still when after a while he came to himself the chief upbraided him for his folly and told him to go out and tell stories to the old women when at last maidwa was about to leave he made rich presents and invited a number of the families of the chief to go with him and visit his hunting grounds where he promised them that they would find game in abundance they consented and in the morning a large company assembled and joined maidwa the chief with a party of warriors escorted them a long distance when ready to return the chief made a speech and besought the blessing of the good spirit on maidwa and his friends the two companies parted marching away over the prairie each on its own course their waving feathers glittering in the morning sun their war drums sounding afar after several days travel maidwa and his friends came in sight of his home the others rested within the woods while he went alone in advance to see his brothers he entered the lodge it was all in confusion and covered with ashes on one side was his elder brother sitting among the cinders with his face blackened and crying aloud on the other side sat the younger jacuus also with blackened face his head covered with stray feathers and tufts of swan down this one presented so curious a figure that maidwa could not keep from laughing he seemed to be so lost and far gone in grief that he could not notice his brother's arrival the eldest however lifted up his head and recognized maidwa then jumped up and shook hands kissed him and expressed much joy at his return maidwa as soon as he had received his brother's greeting made known that he had brought each of them a wife and now jacuus hearing a wife spoken of roused from his torpor and sprang to his feet crying loudly why did you come just now and at once made for the door and peeped out to see the strangers he then commenced jumping and laughing and crying out women women and that was all the reception he gave his brother but maidwa told them to wash themselves and put the lodge in order while he went to fetch the wives in jacuus scampered about and began to wash himself but he would every now and then with one side of his head all feathers and the other clear and shining peep forth to look at the women again when they came near he said i will have this one no that one he did not exactly know which he would sit down for an instant and then rise and peep about and laugh in fact he acted like one beside himself as soon as order was restored and all the company who had been brought in were seated maidwa presented one of the chief's daughters to his eldest brother saying these women were given to me to dispose of in marriage i now give one to each i intended so from the first maidwa led the other daughter to jacuus and said my brother here is a wife for you live happily jacuus hung down his head as if he were ashamed but he would every now and then steal a look at his wife and also at the other woman by and by he turned toward his wife and acted as if he had been married for years maidwa seeing that no preparation had been made to entertain the company said are we to have no supper he had no sooner spoken than forth from a corner stepped the silent kettle which placed itself by the fire and began bubbling and boiling quite briskly presently this was joined by the big talking kettle which said addressing itself to maidwa master we shall be ready presently 
and then dancing along there came from still another corner the frisky little kettle which had hopped to their side and took an active part in the preparations for the evening meal when all was nearly ready a delicate voice was heard singing in the last corner of the lodge and keeping up its dainty carol all the way to the fireplace the fourth kettle joined the three cooks then they all fell to with all their might to dispatch their work in the best possible humor it was not long before the big kettle advanced toward Maidwa and said, in his own confident way, Supper is ready. The feast was a jovial one, for they were all hungry, and plied their ladles with right good will. And yet the four magic kettles held out, dip in as often as they would, and had plenty to the end of the revel. And now, to draw to a close, Maidwa and his friends lived in peace for a time, their town prospered, there was no lack of children, and everything else was in abundance but one day the two brothers began to look darkly upon maidwa they reproached him for having taken from the medicine sack their dead father's magic arrows they upbraided him especially that one was lost after listening to them in silence he said that he would go in search of that lost arrow and that it should be restored and the very next day true to his word he left them after traveling a long way and looking in every direction almost hopeless of discovering the lost treasure he came to an opening in the earth when he descended this, it led him to the abode of departed spirits. The country appeared beautiful, the pastures were greener than his own, the sky bluer than that which hung over the lodge, and the extent of it was utterly lost in a dim distance. Moreover, he saw animals of every kind wandering about in great numbers. The first he came to were buffaloes, and his surprise was great when they addressed him as human beings. They asked him what he came for, how he had descended, and why he was so bold as to visit the abode of the dead. He answered that he was in quest of a magic arrow to appease the anger of his brothers. "'Very well,' said the leader of the buffaloes, whose form was nothing but bone. "'Yes, we know it.' And he and his followers moved off a little space from Maidwa, as if they were afraid of him. "'You have come,' resumed the buffalo spirit, "'to a place where a living man has never before been. Return immediately to your tribe, for under pretense of recovering one of the magic arrows which belonged to you by your father's dying wish, your brothers have sent you off, so that they may become possessed of your beautiful wife, the Red Swan. Speed home. You will find the magic arrow at the lodge door. You will live to a very old age and die happily. You can go no farther in these abodes of ours. Maidwa looked, as he thought, to the west, and saw a bright light as if the sun was shining in its splendor, but he saw no sun. "'What light is that yonder?' he asked. The buffalo, whose form was nothing but bone, answered, "'It is the place where those who were good dwell.' "'And that dark cloud?' Maidwa again asked. "'It is the place of the wicked,' answered the buffalo. This cloud was very dark, and to look upon it pained his eyes. So Maidwa moved away with the help of his guardian spirits, stood upon the earth again, and beheld the sun giving light as usual.' All else that he learned in the abodes of the dead is unknown, for he never spoke of it to any human being. After regaining the earth and wandering a long time to gather knowledge to make his people happy and to add to their comfort, he drew near to his village one evening. Passing all the other lodges, he came to his own door, where he found the magic arrow, as he had been promised. He heard his brother within at high words with each other. They were quarreling for the possession of his wife, who had remained constant through all his absence, and sadly awaited his return. Maidwa listened in shame and sorrow. He entered the lodge, holding his head aloft as one conscious of good principle and shining with anger. He spoke not a word, but placing the magic arrow to his bow, he would have laid his brothers dead at his feet. Just then, however, the talking kettle stepped forward and spoke such words of wisdom. The singing kettle trolled forth such a soothing little song. 
the guilty brothers were so contrite and keenly repentant of their intended wrong the red swan was so radiant and forgiving the silent kettle straightway served them up so hearty and wholesome a meal and the frisky little kettle was so joyful and danced about so merrily that maidwa decided to forgive them and when the magic arrows were laid away in the medicine sack there was in all the indian country that night no happier family than the three brothers who ever after dwelt together in all kindness as all good brothers should end of chapter three